Welcome to the Sportscast. April 4th, 2019. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on all our channels, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, and iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It will help us out tremendously. The American Alliance of Amer- no, the Alliance of American Football folded this week on Tuesday. Uh, the league that was showing promise, uh, the alternative to the XFL, folded. And to talk to us a little bit about it is Justin Riley. Welcome back to the Sportscast. Hey, glad to be here on a Thursday evening. Well, Justin, of course, you know, uh, on Tuesday, Charles, uh, not Charles Ebersole, actually, uh, the majority stakeholder of the, Ameri- uh, of the Alliance of American Football shut down, I mean, suspended operations. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, he's a complete idiot. No. Uh, basically, uh, the majority owner uh, issued some pretty high demands from the uh, NFL Players Association saying, hey, uh, for us to continue being a developmental league, we need you to send players, uh, come up with a deal that's going to issue us uh, young players to develop for you, and then we're going to also need you to put together an insurance plan to protect them. Uh, and then he said, if, if you don't fall in line with what I want you to do and how I want this lead to work, uh, I'm just going to take my toys and I'm, I'm out the door. And a lot of people thought that, uh, the threat was nothing more than just a threat and that, uh, life would continue as normal after week eight. However, uh, fast forward, uh, two days after the, the final game, it, it's it. It's over. Uh, and uh, had a lot of players and coaches, staff, et cetera, left scratching their head and uh, just having their whole world turn upside down. His name is Tom Dundon. Tom Dundon is owner. We'll call of- her Blunden because he's a blunderer. He, bl- <laughs> he blundered this, uh, this whole thing up. Tom Dundon is the owner of the NHL's uh, Carolina Hurricanes. He committed $250 million to the, uh, to the Alliance in February an investment that reportedly kept the, the league afloat. He became the controlling owner of the league at that point, something Ebersol and Poilian might now regret. Days before the alliance suspended football operations, Dundon told USA Today he needed cooperation with the NFL Players Association, the NFLPA, in order to feed current NFL players into the league and therefore maintain the alliance's uh, Alliance's viability in Dundon's mind, at least, which I do agree. You know, like if I was a majority of stake, I want to have some value and I want, you know, my players to go to the NFL because it will promote the league more and you'll see more players in the future entering the league. Obviously, the thing that I did not do this, uh, agree was Ebersole giving a lot of stake to this guy or, you know, not being prepared financially. What have you heard? Why? I mean, was Ebersol not prepared initially to uh, to to support one whole season? Well, you know, when the, it first came out, the league was set up to to have what it needed to uh, endure for at least three seasons. You know, maintain operations, uh, play pay personnel, players, et cetera, et cetera. But then if you fast forward a few weeks into the season, all of a sudden there are uh, rumblings that the league was about to fold. And then uh, entering the majority uh, owner Dundon uh, with his uh, with his his deep pockets, and he supposedly uh, saved the league. So uh, 
I to be honest with you, I don't know if there's a really a clear cut answer to any of this. It's just it just baffles me um, how there really was no stability. Uh, it looked stable, and it looked it was a great product. I mean, the TV ratings were there, the attendance was there. Uh, you, you had quality players, and uh, some differences with the, the AF that the NFL didn't have that really drew people in. Now, I do agree uh, with uh, Dundon from a standpoint of it needs to be a developmental league, and that's what the AAF was initially set up to be, and that was to be a developmental league for the NFL, backed by the NFL. And, you know, that would require, you know, issuing in players. Yes, I, I do agree with that. You, you know, for this to be what really is to be, then he's got to have those players there. Now, now here's the thing. I think that the the plug was was pulled prematurely. This all of this could have been negotiated and dealt with after the season was over. You know, instead of just saying, you know what, screw the whole thing, we're going to end everything for these players, and we're going to toss them out the door. And that and that actually is what they did. Matter of fact, uh, several uh, Memphis Express players came back to their hotel to find that their belongings were all waiting for them in the lobby and because apparently their bill hadn't been paid. But, uh, yeah, I do agree. There should have been something set up to, to bring players in as well as to have a protection plan or insurance uh, should those players get injured. Uh, yes, but the whole thing could have waited. We, we, we could have, you know, got the playoffs. We, we had one more week to go. We had a week of playoffs. Then we had a championship. You know, these guys have put their, their butts and their bodies on the line for several weeks, you know, with the, the hopes of the ultimate prize being an NFL roster spot. But also, too, as a competitor, you want to be able to compete for the highest prize, and that's a, that's a championship. So they've been denied that. But also with the championship, they've been denied further exposure not only for TV audiences, but for NFL audiences. Now, some may argue, well, the NFL teams and franchises have probably seen enough you know, from, from this season to determine who they want who they don't want. You know what? I, I, I don't think it should be determined that way. I think these guys should have been allowed to finish out the season, and then, they, uh, then the, the powers that be should have met in a boardroom and come up with something. Something that I really was encouraged today, I know that the Lions had a bad week, but I think um, uh, this might lighten up the week a little bit for them, was cornerback Keith Razor, Reezer from Orlando was signed by the Chiefs today. I think that showed promise that, you know, the uh, like the Lions did something this year. Well, they definitely did a lot. Uh, Keith is definitely one of the, the, the better players in the league, one of the top corners uh Along with Jamar Summers of uh, of the Birmingham Iron, and there's no uh, there's no surprise there that he was signed by the Chiefs. And there are a lot of quality players in the league that I'm sure they're going to be following in his footsteps pretty quickly. Uh, 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 so just be on the lookout for that. And what's been great is a lot of the uh, players that some had written off, like say a Trent Richardson, were able to use this stage to show the NFL world that they're not used up, that their chances are 
uh, still valid, and they still add great value and can add great value to an NFL roster. This leaves us uh, another person. Go ahead. I would say another person that really impressed me, and I'm, I'm surprised he hadn't nabbed just yet. That was Carter Schultz, uh, defensive end uh, for the Stallions, uh, led the league in sacks the entire year, led the league in quarterback pressures, and was just a disruptive, uh, unblockable force the entire season. And uh, I'm sure pretty soon we're going to see him fill a spot. What do you expect from Trent Richardson? Do you th- have you heard anything on his end that he will uh, sign with the team? What have you heard? I haven't heard anything yet. Still trying to follow the, all the websites and news sites as well as you know his social media. Uh, nothing yet, just yet. Everything is relatively quiet at this point. Something that we have to look forward to is the XFL. Will the XFL? What would they do different? What would they learn from what the Lions did? Of course, XFL uh, has more experience because they had uh, had a season, but it's been 20 years. Mm-hmm. What could the XFL take from this to be a successful league next year? Well, um, I think that it's going to be completely different because uh, Vincent Mann is not going to be dependent upon whatever decisions the NFL make. Uh, he's going to be his own separate entity. If the NFL wants to get on board, I'm sure he'll welcome it. But he's not going to be codependent upon them. And I, I think that he is bound and determined to make his league successful. Uh, and uh, because of that, I think he has a better chance uh, of survival than the AF. And he certainly has the backing, the financial backing, to uh, to endure. And I, and he definitely has learned from from his many mistakes with the first product that we got um, early in the, uh, the in the 90s. Yes, the XFL is slated uh, to start in 2020. Um, they're expected to have – trying to see how many teams are going to have. I don't think they're going to have eight teams, but they're going to have a lot of teams next year. And, uh, of course, Vince McMahon, you know, what I've heard, they need to strike the like the right TV deal. Uh, obviously, the Alliance had a good TV deal. They had the NFL Network, CBS, and TNT. So they were on primetime. And at times, the Alliance had good ratings as well. I mean, they would you know, beat out the NHL and, and the MLS. Um, do you think a lot of these players in the uh, Alliance, if they don't get to, you know, if they don't get signed uh, by the NFL, do you think XFL is a good place for them to continue their aspirations? Without question, and if uh, a lot of the key players from the AAF don't, somehow don't find a team, uh, look for uh, Vincent Mann to uh, go after them pretty quickly. Uh, I can pretty much guarantee you that uh, he will probably pursue Johnny Manziel heavily if, if uh, the NFL teams don't come a-courting. Uh, so, but, and there's still a lot of players that I think were kind of uh, borderline that a lot of teams and uh, franchises want to see more development from, so they will benefit pretty well from going to the XFL to get that extra look. Uh, so I think the XFL is going to be a great springboard for these guys. And look, I really uh, look for a lot of these players to migrate over there. Hopefully, uh, majority of of them will be on NFL rosters. That's where NFL is where you're able to play at the highest level 
Johnny Menzel, I know um, he only had two games, but how did he perform in those two games? Well, uh, Johnny only had limited action, but with the limited amount of time he did have, he, he looked very good, it looked very smooth. Uh, seemed to be playing with a lot better uh, poise and control uh, than, than what he did uh, in the younger version we saw of him at Cleveland. Seems like he's matured a little bit on the field at least. Well, I guess I should say that loosely because his first game back, he uh, managed to get into a fight. <laughs> so, uh, But from a playing standpoint, he did uh, look pretty good. And I think that's due to the fact that he, he was active before heading to the AF because he was with uh, uh, the Saskatchewan uh, team, I believe it's Saskatchewan, was CFL. So he came in ready to, ready to play, and he didn't have any rust on him. He didn't have to have any time to develop. But when he was able to be in, he was very effective. So um, he, he, he did look uh, it looked pretty good. In announcing the Reform XFL, McC- uh, McMahon stated that while it would share its name and trademark with the previous incarnation, it, it will not rely on the professional wrestling-inspired features and entertainment elements as its pre- uh, predecessors did, instead aiming to create a league with fewer off-field controversies and faster, simpler pay, uh, play compared to the NFL. Um, that's something that we have to look at. Hopefully there will be a second division league, and hopefully XFL can carry that torch because, you know, besides the CFL, it's, it's just very hard for a player to come – you know, from you know, from another league. I think NFL Europe did a good job, but um, CFL, you don't see many players uh, moving into the NFL. Like, like the last guy was Cameron Wake. Yeah, I mean the the transition from CFL to NFL has just been so difficult. And to be quite honestly, I, I don't know if NFL scouts are really focusing on the CFL to try to get players. Uh, and I think I think having something something here locally, by locally I mean within the U.S., uh, it, it will cause NFL scouts to see it more. It's going to be a lot more visible, and these and these teams may or may not be affiliated with NFL franchises like the AAF. The only thing I'm concerned I'm very concerned about is will audiences be burned by what happened with the AAF when it comes to uh, getting behind the XFL. Yeah, that's something that um, I mean, it'll be a year from now, and I think people, will, you know, will probably die down uh, from that whole situation with the alliance. I think XFL is a whole different dynamic, whole different, uh, different ride. I think. I think it'll be more, not more entertaining, because I, because if I say entertaining, people think it'll be a, a wrestling match. No, it's not gonna be a wrestling match, but I think. You know, bringing good players. I think Johnny Menzel will be a start. Tim Tebow, I don't know. Maybe he wants to stick with baseball. Uh, you know, bring some players that have notability. Uh, we saw some in the Alliance. We saw. I, I th- think like the biggest name in the Alliance was Trent Richardson. Would you agree? No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He was. Uh, he had the the, the best uh, pedigree out of anyone. He was the most known player coming in, and definitely had. Uh, I guess the greatest story. We all had pretty good stories, but none was more, uh, I guess, viewed in the public eye than Trent Richardson. Let's revert to college basketball. Uh, all, all but one number one seeds are out 
Virginia's in, Auburn is in, Texas Tech, and Michigan State. How do you view these teams? Well, first of all, I'm just completely blown away. You know, I, I hold on one second, buddy. It's okay. Uh, we're talking about March Madness, of course, the Elite Eight. Auburn beat Kentucky 77-71. Michigan State beat Duke 68-67. to That was a shocker, but Michigan State had a good game. Virginia beat Purdue 80-75. to and Texas Tech beat Gonzaga uh, seventy-five to sixty-nine. So most of the games were pretty close. Um, any of these teams could have gone on to the Final Four, uh, but uh, we're seeing only one number seed left. It's Virginia. Auburn is uh, representing the SEC. They're going very deep, and of course we got uh, Michigan State and Texas Tech. Now, if you have to ask me, who is the favorites to go? I'm, I'm picking Auburn, and Michigan State. Those two teams are surprising me, but you do got Texas Tech. They're pretty good as well. Um, Justin, are you ready? Hello. Justin Riley must have left. Well, yeah. Uh, this will we'll, we'll come and end uh, towards the sports cast, of course. And, um, you know, if we had to predict something, I would predict that Auburn beats Virginia and Tech, uh, Michigan State beats Texas Tech. Um, I think Auburn's been very exciting. Michigan State has been exciting, but they also bring that. Uh, that confidence level from beating Duke, even though they beat Duke by one point, but they had a great match against Duke. Uh, Texas Tech is also a good team, so they could win, but I'm picking Michigan State to win it. Uh, but really excited about uh, the situation with March Madness this weekend. And Justin Riley's back. I'm back. I apologize for that, audience. Uh, I have a lot of stuff going on here and my side of things. Uh, had some things going on with family related, but I am back. You have my full attention. I do apologize. I've never no, done no problem. that no problem. ever on a, on a podcast. Uh, so how do you see these teams? How about Auburn? Are you surprised Auburn is getting this deep? You know, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I really am very surprised. I've said this before in a previous podcast. I feel like Auburn had a very good team. I don't feel like they were as talented as they were last year. But really what made Auburn great was the fact that uh, – they play such good, fundamentally sound basketball. They have such great chemistry amongst their players. They they play as a single unit, and what's really incredible to watch is their ability to overcome adversity. Uh, they don't panic. They don't they don't die. They don't they don't crawl. You know, into a corner somewhere. They stand firm and they, and they never stop. Um, and they guys they just have an incredible result. And then, two, what's been great about them, and I've said this over and over again, I sound like a broken record, is they're one of the hottest teams to try to shut down once they get into a rhythm shooting the ball. So it's just been amazing to watch their story unfold. I honestly thought they would get as deep as the Sweet 16, uh, perhaps at Elite Eight, but I didn't think they'd go any further than that. But good grief, I, I was proven wrong, and what was – just incredibly impressive. They're doing it without uh, one of their their top players and Okiki. And my gosh, uh, you, you take the best player away, and you're still hitting on all cylinders, and you're beating teams in a convincing fashion. It's, I got tremendous respect for them. And yes, I'm an Alabama guy, but my gosh, you got to get credit where credit's due. You think uh, you know? You think they have enough to beat Virginia? Uh I think they do because, and I and I I probably want to 
shoot myself by saying this. You know, I still don't have full confidence in Virginia. And I, I said that last week, and lo and behold, they, they made it where we are right now. <laughs> but I, I think it's going to be one of the better games to watch. Uh, but I, I think that Auburn has the slight edge. The, the good thing is you don't have one team that is more experienced at this level than the other. Neither one of them have been to a Final Four. So that, that's an even playing field there. But I, I think Auburn's going to continue to play incredibly, uh, incredibly well, fundamentally team basketball. And I, I think that uh, uh, Okiki from the bench is going to will that team to win. Another... Uh, exciting series um, was was Michigan State beating Duke, and of course they beat him by one point. But Michigan State had that game really handled. Do you think this team is is a force to be reckoned? And you analyze the tournament. Michigan State was probably the hottest team, or one of the, at least one of the hottest teams in the tournament. Uh, you know, they're one of the teams that just kind of separated themselves from the pack. You know, you kind of kept on waiting around for Duke to have that moment, but they never did. Uh, I kept on waiting on them to wake up. I thought the UCF uh, win would be enough to wake up. Uh, apparently not, man. They just—it's like they were just living on uh, the hopes that that luck was going to help them prevail at every level, and it didn't. And luck ran out. But Michigan State had control, and despite the efforts of uh, Zion. It just it wasn't enough, and it wasn't enough to move Duke to the next round. So I'm not surprised that Michigan State, Michigan State won, and I honestly expected it, uh, even though it would completely destroy my chances in our our league there. But I mean, the, it, you can't sit there and, and watch these games and say that Michigan State was not the better team because Duke was not the Duke that we were expecting. And do you think Michigan State can beat Texas Tech? I I really do. I think Michigan State is the better team, and and they are more experienced. Uh, Michigan State's been to Final Four. Michigan State has won national titles. And and having experienced that, it gives a team a decided edge over its opponent who has never, quite frankly, been town level ever. I mean, I, I could be wrong. I'm sure sports enthusiasts have done a lot more research than I have may disagree with me, but Texas Tech has not been this level, even though they've played some tremendous basketball. They they have uh, done some things that nobody expected, and they're very deserving of, of being where they are. But I think the party comes to an end, and and, uh, and Michigan State uh, gets it done. I, I, which I'm, uh, which I'm also predicting uh, Auburn, like the final will be between Auburn and Michigan State. So I, I so I, I'm guessing we're not like, the only ones predicting that. Uh, I think a lot of people will probably agree with you too. That a lot of people really like Auburn and they they definitely like Michigan State, and I'm not going to disagree with them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I mean, I haven't seen Texas Tech. I've heard good things about Texas Tech. But I, I mean, I really think there's a lot of momentum on uh, on both sides of the coin. Uh, but yeah, that is this Saturday at 6:09 p.m. Eastern, and then the later game will be 8:49. That's the uh, Texas Tech versus Michigan State. 
Really excited about this March Madness so far. Um, are you excited? I mean, this is a little bit different March Madness. It feels like there's a lot of more underdog um, involvement. Well, I, I, I don't know. Uh, this 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 uh, tournament has a, a different feel because you didn't have the quote Cinderella teams make noise this year. It's like all, all the teams that really were expected to do well did well. I mean, you had a, a few uh, upsets here and there, but nothing that was just catastrophic to brackets uh, for the majority of the tournament. You know, people who had brackets filled out. Uh, did fairly well uh, up until, I guess, this point. So, uh, now, it, it was surprising to see Duke flounder. Uh, it was surprising to see Auburn where they're at. It was definitely surprising to see Texas Tech where they're at. So, from that aspect, yeah, I see I say, you know, it's a little different. Uh, now, it still had a lot of great intrigue. Man, the, the past few rounds, we've had some very, very good games, some instant classics. Well, this have kept us all glued to our screens, man. But it's been a it's been a great tournament, and, and it's been uh, something of great value this year. Uh, even though it didn't have the uh, the typical Cinderella stories that we all enjoy. You know, I you know, ever since joining the sportscast or I mean, starting the sportscast, I actually been following uh, this tournament more closely than years prior, and uh, I'm really enjoying it. it. Has that same feel of the World Cup, you know, single elimination. And all the uh, and all the fans, maybe also because Liberty made it this year as well, so maybe that's a whole different dynamic as well. So, but uh, I'm really really glad that I'm able to uh, was able to cover this a little bit more this year. Maybe next year we'll definitely have uh, we have more coverage of the uh, of the men's basketball because uh, this is it is the second biggest sport in college, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. Hey, maybe next year Alabama might be there. It's a good chance with their new coach, and they they actually kept one of the the persons that 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 entered the transfer portal, pull him out they of did. it, they kept, and stayed in the team. Yeah, they kept John Petty, which was a a pretty huge thing for Alabama going forward. So uh, that's telling me that uh, Oates is is a is a quality guy, and everything I'm hearing, uh, he, he's doing all the right things. As a matter of fact, man, he he. Uh, he he gave uh, the team a pretty eye-opening experience in the practice the other day, and just wore them flat out. And the players were just dumbfounded and shocked, and said, "Basically, we've never gone at this kind of pace before." So maybe you know Nate Oates is the the shot in the butt that these this team needed. Uh, now Kira Lewis, who is still uh, quote unquote in the draft portal, or not draft, the transfer portal. Uh, has has uh, shown great uh, admiration and respect for Oates. He's been very impressed. So maybe he'll be coming back too. Uh, he's the only other one that's been somewhat vocal since uh, this whole thing came about. I hadn't heard from other players, but adding Kira Lewis would be a very uh, monumental thing for Alabama going into next season. Exactly. Alabama basketball, it feels like there's some promise there. I'm not sure why this year. Maybe they're listening to the sportscast and, and really hearing the uh, hearing the fans saying, hey, Alabama basketball should be good. I mean, I, I mean, Alabama should be good in basketball, just like Auburn. Auburn is, 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 is doing great in both sports. Well, that's another thing, man. When it comes to Alabama and Auburn, if uh, one's doing well in a sport and the other isn't, Man, uh, it starts a, a wildfire like you would not believe, and they are not about to have 
their uh, rival outdo them. So, I mean, I mean, there was uh, rumblings from Alabama fans already, but having Auburn get to the pinnacle of the sport and they're sitting at home and at, at, ever after being ousted first round in the NIT, yeah, they're, they're pretty fired up and the time is now. And they're ready to start being relevant again. I'm ready as an Alabama fan to start being relevant again. Are you a Quentin Tarantino fan? Uh, at times. What is your favorite? There's a few movies. Okay. Well, this is the random question of the day. What is your favorite Quentin uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino's? Uh, what's your favorite film from Quentin Tarantino? Uh, Reservoir Dogs, uh, Jackie Brown, The Hateful Eight, or Death Proof? Uh, none of those actually. Really? If you had to choose one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you could say neither. My favorite, uh, my favorite Tarantino film was Django Unchained. Okay, you leave it there. You leave it there. Yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, <laughs> I think he does some good things, but the guy's just he's too weird and too out yeah. there for me at times. Uh, but he can do some some good things there now and then, and I really was thoroughly impressed with Django Unchained. Plus, I'm a Jake. I'm a Jimmy Fox fan too, so that definitely helped matters. Like the only one that I seen uh, with Jackie Brown, I, th- I mean, I believe that's the only one that I saw. But besides that, I don't. I mean, I, which I still don't remember what yeah. we were about. I tried watching Kill Bill, and I was like, okay, oh, I can't handle this. It's too movie. far out there. No, he is. He's uh, but pretty, apparently, it's a cult hit for folks. Yeah. That not he starts. That. I think he starts backwards, right? He starts the movie by the end, and then goes towards the beginning. I think that's that's his style. Yeah, uh, and that that whole aspect, uh, while it might be appealing to some, it's just very frustrating to others like me. Okay. You know, I was able to you know deal with it with Pulp Fiction, which was a good film. That was a very good film, but. Uh, when it continued to be a repetitive theme in this movie, so I was like, no, nah, I'm out. But, you know, Pulp, Pulp Fiction was uh, was able to do well because, I mean, having big names, well, big names at the time, John Travolta, he was a hot name in Hollywood, having Samuel L. Jackson, you know, and that cast, and the Thurman, uh, that really allowed that movie to be successful and help you get past the whole little time warp that you <laughs> you dealt with. And have you seen the Joker trailer this week? I did. I actually did watched like it? it last night. I do. Uh, now, it looks like it's going to deviate a little bit from the original uh, uh, origins of the Joker that those of us who have followed the comic are accustomed to, but uh, it does show some promise, and uh, I, I kind of like this version. I'm curious to see uh, what uh, his, his biography is going to be th- this time around. Uh now, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, I-, I never would have chosen him as a joker, but it's, it's beginning to look like that uh, they're very spot on in their selection. Uh, you know, it was rumored that Le- Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, DiCaprio was supposed to have this role, but instead Phoenix got it, and it looks like it's, it's going to be a good choice. You know, I would have thought he would have been a great choice, actually. I, th- I think he's pretty crazy. I've seen uh, a couple of his past films. Obviously, I'm not sure if he hesitated to take on this role because this role has become pretty controversial in the past, and even former actors don't recommend it to anyone. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm wondering if Batman will make an appearance. Uh, you know, from what I've read, I think it's going to be uh, solely focused on the Joker. But I think that there's going to be a cameo of Batman 
but just not an all-out, you know. Uh, Christian Bale. It's not gonna, it's not gonna, <laughs> well, you're not going to have Christian Bale. Um, and you're also not going to have, uh, what's ben his Affleck. name? the last one. Ben Affleck, sorry. <laughs> just lost my, my train of thought. I don't consider uh, him a Batman, to be Batman. honest. I think he was just a side job guy. Psyche. I don't think he did well as Batman. I liked him. <laughs> you would say uh, that, but you're not, you're the guy who liked Utah you're, Jazz. Root for the Utah Jazz against Michael Jordan back in the Bulls. I sure did, man. <laughs> I, I love Karl Malone, man, and he deserved a championship. <laughs> well, you know, born in the wrong time. But anyway, but yes, uh, Batman is going to be shown, but it's not going to be a lot of gratuitous Batman appearances in the movie. I think it's going to be safe for another uh, sequel, if you will. So you'll see him, but you're not going to get a heavy dose of him. Yeah, Joker, the movie comes out this uh, uh, October. Looking forward to it. I honestly won't be surprised I'm too scared to go in and watch it. But, you know, if I could take Heath Ledger as a Joker, I could take uh, Joaquin Phoenix. But this is like the whole two hours. This is not just parts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's completely all Joker. In it. And it's, it's not the... Uh, the cookie cutter version that uh, a lot of us grew up on in the comics. This is a more modern twisted. Which he kind of uh, looks like Heath Ledger version. a lot. This, I mean, they kind of yeah, like, to took a, degree, a lot of to it. A degree, yeah, to a degree, he does take on a lot of the characteristics. Uh, so Heath Ledger just topped that character Joker. really well. I mean, even though I'm kind of sad he uh, he died. I, I, I mean, he, he completely he revolutionized the character. But the thing is, though, people need to be careful about this. They do not need to go into this movie comparing him to Ledger's Joker. You need to, to look at them as separate entities or else, you know, a lot of people are going to be disappointed. Justin Riley, how can people reach you? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know what? I'm on our Twitter account uh, and our Instagram account a lot. That's the Sportscast 1. Uh, so you can find me anytime practically on there. So, you know, hit me uh, a message, tweet me, you know, start up a discussion with me. You can also find me uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, if you want to email me, uh, 12 one training. that's number 12, one spelled out training at gmail.com. Uh, that's also my personal Twitter handle. But I've spent a lot of time these days trying to build up our uh, the Sportscast uh, Twitter. And you can follow us on at the Sportscast 1 on Twitter and go to the website, thesportscast.net. You'll find all our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and uh, listen to the podcast on the Sportscast.net. Read the latest articles and news on sports on the Sportscast, and we'll definitely be updating the site uh, frequently. Um, of course... This weekend is college basketball, the, the finale. We're heading towards the finale of this great tournament. And, of course, on to that. After that is the NBA playoffs. No LeBron this time. Justin Riley, once again, I thank you for coming on to the Sportscast. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, thank you. And also, audience, uh, be checking our website uh, because I will be publishing an article about NFL draft, hopeful uh, Derek Gore. If you're not very familiar with him, get get ready to be familiar with him. Incredible story. I'll be dropping that next week. I wanted to wait to after the focus was on the NCAA tournament, and then uh, that way we're able to get more of the NFL draft focus as we approach it very quickly. Exclusive on the Sportscast, and we'll have more guests. Actually, you know stuff that no one really covers. Not even ESPN does. Potentially another league in North America, but we'll 
we'll talk about that in the future. Justin, thanks for coming on. Uh, glad to be here, man. Thank you.